0: Today, I'm going to continue. We're in a series called Rebuilding, and uh, we've been in this season for a little bit. It's based out of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah was a man that God used to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that had been torn down for hundreds of years. Uh, He had a passion, and his heart broke for the uh, people of God and the condition of the city and how it was unprotected, unfortified, the walls had been destroyed. And so God gave him the real burden to go out of his comfort zone to rebuild that which was destroyed. And we know that there was a miracle took place. 52 days is all it took him to build the wall, which was an absolute miracle. Um, and so we've been talking about that. How do we rebuild the walls of our lives that have been destroyed? And I would encourage you, maybe it's Some area of your life that has experienced devastation or destruction since the pandemic. Maybe it's since the freeze. Maybe they are walls that have been down your whole life. And it's your job, like Nehemiah, to say, hey, I'm going to rebuild this for future generations. The ones that are not here yet or that are coming after me. And so over the next couple of weeks and uh, really about five or six, we're going to focus on faith, family, and finances. Uh, and I'm excited the first week in June Jo Lea is going to be preaching for us, and she'll be sharing and Pastor Phyllis is going to do mother's Day, and so that'll be a great time. We'll kind of pause there and and move into a Mother's Day. If you hey, all the mothers, come here. We're going to celebrate you. Bring your family. Bring all your, your, your siblings and anybody who wants to come, your children. And definitely bring your husband. I know it's Mother's Day. Get him here. Phyllis will always share a great word for him and you. Now, today, the title of the message is Breaking the Chains of Debt. I'm going to tackle finances today. And I, I can imagine. <laughs> you're like, it's my first week at Anchor Pen, and he's talking about money. <laughs> you know, isn't that funny? That's all right. Like, somebody's like, I leveraged, Pastor, all my credibility, and today you talk about money. I just got to look at like this. God must want him to hear what I'm going to say. And uh, I, I know when you hear a pastor going to talk about money, you're you kind of like, look, I hadn't been a pastor my whole life. Uh, I get it. I used to own businesses and I was sitting in the congregation like everybody most of my life until God called me to pastor in 2008. And I get it. You're like, oh man. Because we kind of have, if you were raised, I, I was raised in a church, you didn't just have one offering. Come on, how many know you had like multiple offerings? How many say, I actually sat through a service, we had three offerings. I was like, I ain't got nothing left. Like, don't even pull your wallet out. Like, there's no mo. And uh, I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. Praise God. It taught me how to be generous. Um, but let me just tell you, I'm not that pastor, and this is not that church. And so just be open to what God might speak to you. In fact, here at Anchor Bend, we don't even pass offering plates and buckets. Uh, I don't know. I thought about it. Uh, maybe it's from trauma. <laughs> I, I don't know. But I just remember when Phyllis and I launched a church I just said, I'm not gonna beg people for money. I'm gonna preach the word, we're gonna steward it well, and then God, you're gonna speak to your people. So that's what's happened, it's been a miracle. Even with this building, you saw the, the miracle of what God has done in the middle of COVID. We bought this campus in June, and um, we just had a word, felt the Lord gave me a word, Jeremiah 32, 27, and all of my family, we were ready, we, we, we agreed, and we raised $1.2 million, In 150 days and bought that campus and now we're seeing God do what only he can do and here's what I know when when God's involved and we teach the word then your job is just to obey what God speaks to you and then God moves and advances his church in his time and here's what you have to know is that as the church when we say God is going to bless the church you're the church and so it's like okay God if you're going to bless the church that means you got to bless me and I want to be in a position where God, I am a blessing to the world. Um, I'm getting a little bit older. I'm 44 years young now, um, and one of the things that I'm looking towards now more than ever is legacy. Like I'm really thinking through generational wealth. I'm thinking through God, what's going to happen after me? Like I, I ain't going anywhere, God forbid, you know. But but how I many know oh, one day we are going. And this generation will pass on the baton. And my greatest desire is to pass off campuses that are paid for. Money in the bank. I mean, look, you can't change the world. Broke. You couldn't, we couldn't have bought the building. Broke. And yet we have churches full, and, and, and I'm not speaking to you corporately, but just in general, full of people that love God, passionate about God. God has a call on their life, but they're broke. And we have to realize that that God has the answers. And if you don't get it here at the church, where are you going to get it? Like, this is God's word. So I would just encourage you, wherever you find yourself, if you've been around Anchor Ben, I don't have to worry about you. I know you know how we steward money. And But but I just encourage you to open up your heart. Say, God, I'm, I'm here to learn what it is that you're going to teach me and show me so that I can actually live the life that you've called me to live. It's It would be like... Um, you, So many times, people come to church. Here's here's what I find. It's like, I like this. It's an a la carte buffet. Like, just buffet me, Pastor. Come on, here we go. Like, like I like the whole hope. I like the whole joy. I like, but I don't like the giving. So I'm just going to take back over here. Or I don't like the sacrifice. You mean God wants us to sacrifice? Absolutely. Like, we take up a cross. That's not a vacation. We didn't go on vacation. Come on, somebody. Like picking up a cross back in the day meant you're going to a hill to die. And so we we, kind of like, I'll pass on that. No, no, you got to take the whole counsel of God. It's like, God, I want to learn everything. Why? Because I want to live the fullness of the life that God has called me to live. And a, a God life is not an easy life. And so we come many times in, into church and you can say, God, I don't know about all that. And, you know, all you want is my money. No, no, no. That's a lie from the enemy. Because if he can have you believe a lie, you can't stand on truth. And I got to the point, it's like, look, think about this. If, if what I'm doing is not working, help, help. Like somebody, if what you're doing is working, keep doing it. But if it's not, it's like, help. Well, I want to go to the place that can actually help me. Imagine you're a mechanic, you're an auto mechanic, and you know everything about cars, and you got a friend that has a car that's broke down and comes up and says, hey, listen, my car is broke down. Can you help me fix it? You're like, yeah, absolutely. What's wrong with it? They tell you, oh, let me go look at it. You go look at it. And you begin to tell them, hey, this is what's wrong. If you'll do this, that'll fix it. Imagine your friend saying, <laughs> No. You don't know what you're talking about. And they go, and they tinker, and they're over there messing with it. They ain't got a lick of sense. Never touched nothing mechanical, but they don't think you know. They go over there and say, no wonder your car is broken down. Why? Because you're an idiot. How many times do we come to church and we're like, God, I know better? Look, he wrote the book. Did you know that the Bible, Jesus talked about finances more than heaven and hell? Imagine together, combined, talked about finances. So heaven is real, hell is real, but God knew this money thing would, would trip a lot of people up. 16 of the 38 parables are about giving, resources, money. you imagine that? 2,000 verses. And then in the, the Gospels, 1 in 10 verse, 288 verses deal with money, wealth, possessions. I mean, no, God's got a lot to talk about? And this is where we come as God's people. We say, God, teach us. Because look, I don't, I, for me, I'm just going to teach the word. And then once I teach it, it's like, okay, God, help me to live this thing out so that I can live the life that you've called me to live. So uh, first we're going to talk about debt. Is debt good or bad? Listen, that's, that's a real question that we ought to be asking ourselves is, look, should we live lives of debt? Look, I, I, I know that the world system says to do whatever you want, get it. It doesn't matter. You can pay for it later. But God's actually is different. God says, no, 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 that's not good. Look at what Proverbs chapter 22 says. And I want to encourage you to get uh, your, your phone, take notes. You can go uh, to the I- Bible app. You can follow along. And I would encourage you to do that because all the notes are in there as well. But look at what Proverbs 22, 7 says. Somebody says, pastor, is debt bad? What's wrong with debt? Look, it says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. So somebody says, well, what does the Bible say? Well, listen, it doesn't say get in debt, don't get in debt. It just says this. Look, the borrower is a slave to the lender. It's a slave. Bondage. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think it's God's will for you to live in bondage? No, absolutely not. And we know that, now listen, I just want to caveat this. Look, there is such a thing as good debt, bad debt, I guess, if you could say there's good debt. I mean, the best thing is to have everything paid off, but I don't want to get into the semantics of that. Good debts, if it's making money, sometimes you make a loan on a business, but the goal is, come on, somebody, then my life, I want everything paid off. Like, good debt, you can buy a house. Why? Because it appreciates. So I'm not meddling in that. What I'm talking about is us drowning in debt that is frivolous. That has no purpose, and 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 there ought to be a generation that comes after me. That baby, they, they don't need a mortgage. They said, "My papa, look, he saved up. I got an inheritance. I'm paying cash. My my kids will pay cash. My grandkids ought to pay cash. There ought to be some building of the generations." So I don't want to get into the good day, bad day. Let's just assume all of it's bad, okay? So you become a servant to the lender, whoever borrows the money. Danielle, bring those out here. So. I'm going to teach you something today, and I'm really passionate about it. Everybody say, hello, Danielle. She, she threw it on me and then ran off earlier. I'm like, I ain't going to let you do that this service. They, I'm going to make you stand out here and say hello. She serves me so well every week, making sure I'm taken care of. Come on, can you give it up for Danielle? Um, now, this message that I'm sharing today, I'm not just pulling. St- I live this thing out. Uh, Phyllis and I live this thing out. When we were young adults, we had multiple businesses, and uh, one of them uh, failed. It, it, some things happened, and we had over-leveraged our lives. And so we just didn't know any difference. My mom was in the first service, and I, thank God my parents did better than their parents, and I'm doing better than my parents. And so what I learned, though, was you can over-leverage your life. It took us 10 years. Everybody say 10. 10. Say it again. Say 10. 10, 10 years to get free. Everybody said, file bankruptcy. And I just felt like the Lord said, No, no, you're going to file bankruptcy. I promise you this, I learned a lesson I will never forget. And so part of today is what I'm teaching you, is is what I learned. As as a young adult, Phyllis and I, we we had a couple, we, we had some real estate, we had another business, and we were making money. See, debt ain't about the amount you make, it's about the thinking that you have. Why? Because look, I was in college. And you know what college did? Have you been in college lately? I don't know. Is it, They had tables for credit cards. They had Visa and MasterCard. They had Lamar credit cards. They had Capital One credit cards. They had American. They had them all. And guess what? I'm like, praise God. Free money. Free. I'm like, if you will approve me, I'm going to spend it. Come on, somebody. And so I just got it. Ain't that right, Phyllis? We got these big old cards. We had like a collection of credit cards uh, and, and so we began to spend it, and guess what? So, so we bought. Remember that big screen TV? What's up? They were brand new. I, woo! We're gonna buy. But I didn't want to spend my cash. Why? Because I got a card. So I put it on. So put put on. So, so what happened was, I began to become a slave. Now at first, I had enough money to pay off the credit card, but I didn't want to do that. Why? Because that's my money. I'm going to use somebody else's money. Here's the challenge with debt, too. Debt is optional. This slavery, this has nothing to do with your position spiritually. This is slavery you choose to be a part of. So I chose to put that on my credit card. You know, this is, and, and did you know this, that the number one stressor in life is finances? The number one reason marriages fail, the number one thing they fight about, is Money. Money, can you, it's not even communication. Like, I'm like communication, like you're from Mars, I'm from Venus, all this other, no, 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 it is money, money, money. How many of you got in a fight about money just today or yesterday? No, I ain't going to, yeah, we just don't raise our hands. I ain't going to tell nobody, Phyllis. So, but I got the big screen, and then, man, we're, here, here's what I was dumb, and I, again, I'm just a young adult. She, I think you like this too much. <laughs> she like, we're gonna get past it. They uh going out to eat. Come on, red lobster is a whole lot better than Lubies. Come on, somebody. So look, just throw that red lobster on. Now I ain't gonna go buy a lobster with my cash, but I don't mind putting it on a card. Put it on that card. Give me that lobster. Give me two of them. So we just put it on. And I got money. Remember, I got cash. We're making money but I want to spend my money. And then one thing led to another thing, a nicer house, more car, bigger car, better car. And then before you know it, I am leveraged out and I am wrapped in chains. I'm no longer living life. Life is living me. I'm out there trying to just make the payments for everything. And so now our businesses are not because they're part of our purpose. The business because i got to pay Visa, MasterCard, the mortgage, the car notes. And so I'm in this rat race of life. And you got to remember, I'm a believer, love God, all those It's got nothing to do with you being a believer or Christian. It's got to do with your mentality. And then all of a sudden what happens is, and here, here's the challenge with, with the, the way debt will just destroy your life. There comes a day where what you owe and what you can pay is far more than you could ever make. Why? Because every, listen, every raise, we got to raise our lifestyle. Come on, somebody. It's like, ooh, I got to raise. We're going to look for a new house and a better car. And, you know, why? Because we want to jump the lifestyle. We want to live like everybody else. But look, if you live like nobody else now, you'll be able to live like everybody else later. And you'll be able to pay cash. So is debt bad? Well, I just don't want to be enslaved and I want to encourage us, thank you, give it up for Danielle, I want to encourage us, challenge us to say, God, maybe there's a better way. Maybe we could do this in your system and with the same mentality and thought life that you have so that we can live the God life that you, because look, we'll never bless the world broke. There's got to be a better way. And I want to teach you that. I'm going to give you four steps to get out of debt and rebuild your life. Four steps. Four steps. First one is this, and I know I'm going to get a lot of amens and claps, so I'm just going to wait for it. It's this, practice self-control. Woo! Come on, pastor, tell me something else. Man, there's just no other way around it. You just got to practice self-control. What is self-control? That's saying no to the impulse. Impulse. That's saying no to the things that you really, really, really want. Because what happened is you as an adult, when we didn't learn how to say no as a child, we don't just automatically learn how to say no as an adult. We just mask it better. We justify it. Ooh, come on, just like I deserve it. Come on, because ain't nobody going to tell you, no, in fact, the, the credit card companies are going to enable you. You deserve it? Girl, you work hard. Come on, man, you just look at all, and nobody, you deserve that new boat and that new, and listen, if it, I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying, did you pay cash for it? Is it something that's strapping you down or is it a blessing? I, I've had too many people say, man, I got a brand new car. The Lord blessed me, and I'm always like, well, tell me about the terms. Well, it's, they sign their life away. I'm like, I'm not sure that's a blessing, because the blessing to me would be to have a $3,000 car that's paid off, that's like cash money. I'm like, praise God, no payment. Insurance is real, real low, because if you wreck it, it don't cost nothing, you know what I mean? So what's the blessing? See, we're chasing a mirage that's not really a blessing at all. Because it's got chains. And the devil, he loves Christians. Say, oh, God bless me. He's like, yep, wrap yourself up. Because here's the you, you go out now, it's like, God, God I want to be a missionary. God, you called me to ministry. You called me to start a business. But you got so much debt. You're running the rat race of life. You cannot even do the thing God put inside of your heart. And the devil's like, I couldn't steal your salvation, but I did steal your destiny. And it's all by choices we get to make. Self-control means being resistant to immediate temptation, avoiding and acting on the impulse. My family doesn't even really know what the mall is all about. So my generation, we're at the mall all the time, and I started working at the age of 14. I never saved a penny. We got paid $250 a week, $50 a day, and as a 14, 15-year-old through the summer, I'm like, where's the mall? My dad had a restaurant called The Jetties right across from the rest, uh, from the mall. So we'd walk over there. We would blow all kinds of money up in the, the, now I think they call it Tilt over in Katy. You know, those little game rooms. Back then, though, you had to have quarters. And so it was really cool because you put $5 in. It's like, and then you put them in your pocket. But every game, you just put a quarter. And now they got the cards. What's up? I put $5 on the card. I'm, I can't even get a game. Like, But they understand the mentality, you'll spend that card way faster than you will those quarters. Why? Because card is so easy. Plastic is cheap. And so we'd go out and we'd blow the money, just never learned about savings, All and it began to develop this instant gratification mentality in my life. I could afford it back then, but I never learned to tell myself, no, no. I remember Phyllis, I was telling the first service, so I'll go ahead and tell this service too. They, uh, we, we first got married, well, I don't know how long ago it was, but here we are, we're, we're shopping, and I'm like, hey, we're not spending any money, we're good, and she's like, uh, okay, she comes back, she's like, hey, baby, I'm like, hey, did you spend, she said, you got to know about this sale, and I'm like, tell me about it, she's, I said, did you spend any money, she said, wait, 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 listen, it was almost free. It was so discounted, you'd be so proud of me. It was, I'm like, baby, but it ain't free. So we spend money. So there was something about that sale that's like, woo, almost free. (laughs) It's a mentality, right? Because that's how they get you. They lure you in, and you spend. So I just learned her and I both learned we don't go to the mall. Why? Because I like, I like those LeBrons. I I like the Jordans. I like all the shoes. I I like clothes. Come on, somebody. I like all the nice things everybody else does. But I've learned if I'm not in the mall, I won't see a sign that says almost free. (laughs) Some of you, you just got to get out of the place you're being tempted at. Get off of Amazon Prime. Come on. (laughs) I'm meddling now. I am so sorry. Jesus, help me get out, flee, why, because it's self-control, if you ain't got self-control, we just don't, we don't go play, I don't ever go window shopping, why, because I know me, I don't like to window shop, guys, you're just as guilty, you just go buy big things, you go buy the electronics, you go buy the fishing gear, you're like, whoa, baby, we got the boat, she's like, you did what, we've been talking about, yeah, yeah, but it was such a good deal, oh, and baby, I got the new boat, I had to get the new truck, Right? I mean it's just it's just different for each of us. So if I need self-control in my health, look, I'm not gonna eat that last cookie. Impulse control, I'm not gonna do it. Productivity, if I if, if I'm trying to be productive, listen, I cannot binge watch Netflix. And they don't they're not even fair anymore. They don't do like week by week, they just they drop the whole series. You're welcome. And you're like they done did it again. We're gonna to have to binge watch all night. Come on, get the get the coffee. Right? What is that? It's a lack of control, self-control. Because as you're adult, look, you judge everybody else. We do. We're so, I can't believe that is so irresponsible. <laughs> and then we ourselves, we don't have impulse control. There's a lack debt-free is the same thing. You wanna be debt-free, you gotta say no. Everybody say no. Say no. Look at what Proverbs 25:28 says. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self control. Your walls are broken down. You just got no impulse because you can't say no. It's like you just, you just you, in other words, what he's saying is the enemy can come in at any time and rob you blind. I won't be like that. And this credit card company, tell me, you no, know, they love to enable you. Oh, they got all kinds of deals, and Phyllis and I created this 24-hour rule. When we got something big we want to buy, uh, for me, I'm always sleeping on it, 24 hours. Like, I want to buy it. Hey, let's just give it 24 hours, because how many know in the moment, it's emotions? You ever had that buyer's remorse? You're like, it was such a great deal yesterday, but good Lord, today, I can't believe we did that. Look, Corey's like, I got you, Pastor. I know exactly what you're talking about, so we've all had it, but... 24 hours later, if it's just as good of a deal and your spouse agrees, come on somebody, then do it. It's a 24-hour rule. Galatians 5.22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So God give us self-control. Let me give you a couple other things you can say no to. Um, I have I been teaching my boys, we have rental property. And so I've been, this last one, I've really worked hard to try to teach them. Uh, the, so my goal is this. Um, I, I told them, uh, it doesn't matter what school you go to, there is this keeping up with the Joneses. Um, it has is, it is just infiltrated the society. And there are certain places where it's like, well, how big is your house? Oh, you, the kids are talking. I took some kids home the other day, and I was shocked at the measuring of homes. I'm like, my God, thank God you got a home. You know, um, and, and so what, I, what I'm trying to teach them is, man, every dollar matters. And so one of the things we say no to is we say no to soft drinks when we go out to eat. So we only go out to eat ever so often. But even the other night, we went to Saltgrass. We were celebrating. $3 a soft drink if every person at the table got it. Well, a family of six, I mean, that starts to add up really quickly. I mean, it's, it's $18. And times that by however many times you go out to eat. So maybe you could say no to things like that. Not to dining out, but just soft drinks. Maybe, maybe you could say no to Starbucks. Pasta, you're meddling. Stop. Listen, I'm just talking about if you're in debt, like I'm, if you're debt free and life's good, it's awesome. Go drink all the Starbucks. In fact, you can buy us all Starbucks too, because that'd be a really nice thing to do. But if you're not, Go get you a Starbucks mug and put some Folgers in your cup. And you get all the aroma of you want. And, and why would you say that, Pastor? Well, I say that because it will taste better when you're debt free. See, so the problem is you're thinking about the taste in your mouth. I'm thinking about the taste in your life when you have no chains wrapped around you. So you gotta say, nah, nah, maybe we can say no to Starbucks. Maybe, I, I know I'm gonna get in trouble. I, Maybe don't get your nails done every week. I mail it. Maybe, okay, get them done, but do some press-ons. <laughs> I know he didn't. <laughs> your husband's like, thanks, pastor. Hey, you listening? You ain't heard a word I said, but now you hear. You're like, oh, boy, you... I, I, it was funny, as somebody you would know, I, I, they, I said, your nails look so good. They were so proud. They're like, Pastor, these are press-ons. Don't tell me you can't work miracles with press-ons. Just saying. Look, if you golf every week, maybe you just say I'm going to golf once every three weeks, every four weeks. Every... I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying how much better would it feel to do that when you're debt-free? Do you, that bondage, how much is it? And, and I'm not saying you have to stop living life, but can we say no to a few things? Maybe it's not a brand-new car. Maybe it's a used car. Um, maybe, look, don't, don't try to buy your kids the brand new iPhone. I mean, it blows my mind. Like, I don't care how rich I was, I probably wouldn't buy them a brand new. My boys come home and they're like, Dad, but they got, they got the brand new one, like the new new one. I said, baby, hey, listen, brother, what I gave you is nice compared to what I was going to give you. I was going to give you a flip, flip phone. You see that, Maria? I'm spitting on you. Like, I come from the day, like, you know what I'm saying? So, so here we are. Maybe we just get them an iPhone 6, an iPhone 8, not the 27. That's $1,000. And here's the challenge, right? It's like, well, they just added to your phone bill. but that's debt. That's added to your life. It's more chains. So just say no in some of the things. If you develop the discipline to say no today, you'll have the freedom to say yes tomorrow. Second thing is you got to get knowledge and wisdom. Proverbs 24.3 says, by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it's established. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Knowledge is facts, it's ideas, it's understanding, it's, it's this investigation of what's taking place. And so we observe and experience, and then we evaluate it, and then wisdom comes from God. It's the ability to judge and discern, uh, and it gives us the ability to apply it into our life. So, God, I'm asking you for wisdom and for knowledge. A lot of people ask questions, but do you ask the right questions? Every level you go in in life, you can listen to someone talk and realize what level they're on by the questions they ask. Many times when people go to buy something, they say, how much down and what are the terms? Like, how many months? What's the interest? You're asking the wrong question. That's that's the wrong question. I would say that's what poor people do, but basically, that's what poor people do. The right question is not what are the terms, how long is it, how much down. The right question is how much will this actually cost me. So let me just break it down. Let me give you some debt in America. As of November 2020, consumer debt is at $14.2 trillion with Americans carrying an average personal debt of $92,000, just over $92,000. The average household credit card debt in America is just over $8,000. It used to be 16. dollars Clearly, people paid it off with the stimulus check. God bless the stimulus. My question is, did you tithe on it? That didn't get near as many lives. So here we see, so it's down, that's awesome, but 8,000, I want you to see, so the right question is, how much will that really cost me? If you borrow 8,000 at 21%, I I have credit cards. like my American Express, I have another one. They're kind of an emergency deal. I looked at the statement. I, I don't carry balances, but I looked at the It was 29%. I have good credit. I'm like, 29%. My goodness. It's a credit card I've had forever. So we just did 21% on your credit card. It would take you 13.8 years to pay $150 a month and pay off the balance and would have paid $16,789 in interest over the life of the debt. Double what you borrow, you will pay the person who lent it to you. The the borrower becomes servant to the lender. So you're like, okay, I get it, okay. But if you don't go and ask the next question, then you'll never be set free with what God wants to do in your life. The next question is, what can that same amount of money bring to the kingdom of God, bring to my life, bring to the legacy that God is putting me here for? If you will invest, not borrow, $8,089 at 12%, you know, you invest in a business with their stocks. 12% is your number you're going for. 30 years, you'll make $234,257 in profit over the lifetime of that investment. A quarter million dollars with just time. Imagine. So now it's not, what did that 8,000 get me? It's what did that charge on the credit card for $8,000 cost me. Imagine the legacy for your family. Imagine what that would do for your kids. Do you see how this begins? It's like you got to think differently. Debt is not just what you do. It's how you think. So I want to go a step further. Now look at this. If you invested that same amount that you borrowed and just added $150 a month, just like the payment that you were going to pay Visa and MasterCard or whatever that loan was, you will make $806,952 in profit. Think about this. Almost a million dollars is what the legacy God would bring to your life. So let's ask the right question. God, give me wisdom and give me knowledge and help me to be a steward of what you've entrusted to me. Amen? Okay, third thing is this. Create a plan. I want you to keep moving. And then you got to work the plan. You can, you can stumble into debt, but you're never going to stumble out of debt. Look, I, as a young adult, I didn't know any better. I, I mean, I kind of did, but I didn't. you know. And, but, but you're never going to stumble out of debt. It took me 10 years, Phyllis and I, 10 years to dig out of the hole that we created. You don't just stumble into debt freedom. You don't just stumble into the life that God's called you to. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste to poverty. I want to be diligent. I want to be diligent. So I'm going to give you just a quick plan. I want to empower you before you leave. Just a quick tip. This is what Dave Ramsey's financial Peace. Man, when we were struggling, this is the course that I took, and it's the nuts and bolts. Of course, there's other things that you need to go and read and study yourself. But I wanted to just put it up on the screen so that you just get a glimpse of what your life and my life should look like. You got to have an emergency fund. If you're trying to get out of debt, don't start paying all the debt off first. It's It's a mistake people make. Then when something happens, you've got no cash to pay for the thing that happened. So, you gotta build a cash reserve of about $1,000. And I just want you to know when you're trying to get out of debt, just know something's gonna happen because the enemy is trying to keep you wrapped up in the bondage that you've been bound in over the years. So, it's okay. Devil doesn't win, and God's greater. So, I'm, I'm gonna have an emergency fund. Second thing is, you gotta create a debt snowball. Now, this is taking all of the debt you have. Every debt you have, there's minimum payments. Most people that are drowning, you're just paying the minimum. So what this principle says is the least amount of debt you owe or the, the, the card that you owe the least amount on, just attack that card. And so every ounce of free income that comes in, you attack it. Maybe you're paying $50 a month. Now you could pay 100 You pay it off in just a couple of months. The amazing thing is when you pay your first one off, you're now motivated even more. Second thing is you take what you were paying for that one and you add it to the next lowest debt that you have. And then before long, what seemed like 10, 20 years, you could pay it off in four or five years. It's absolutely amazing. And what I've found is as God sees you being faithful in this, God will bless you even more. because He wants your freedom just like you do, uh, and so that you can be the light to the world. So that's called the debt snowball. And then you want to, once you pay off all of those, get you a savings account, make sure you got three to six months. Generally for uh, Americans, about15,000 dollars in a savings account. Um, And so you want that sitting there where you get to it within a couple of days long-term savings And then ultimately you want to be investing retirement college funds um, Real estate, whatever you just want your money now making money and that's basically the steps And so go go look up financial peace university. You can get more information Um, And this is what we want to do. We want to make sure that we've got a plan Again, you're not gonna stumble out of where you're at without being intentional And then you got to work the plan. Make sure you've got some good accountability. Now, as we get ready to close, there's one last thing that I I want to talk about. And uh, I intentionally left it as last because to me it's the most important. And I always love to emphasize the most important. And that's this. When we're trying to get out of debt, when we're trying to break the chains of debt, we always want to make sure that we put God first. Um, Look, I got into this thing by myself, but I need God's help to get out of this thing. Um, It goes back to the expert. Um, If if I've got a challenge, I'm going to go back to the expert. God, you're the expert. So if I'm going to get out of this mess, I'm going to put you first. And then as I put you first, you will bless me. You'll bless my life. And then I'll be able to get out of this place that I. And and let me just put the caveat, too. Um, I know we're talking about debt. Uh, I realize some of you got furloughed, COVID. So there's no blanket statement of if you're all in debt, you all said. Listen, there are some times where it's tough. But I know the God that can get you out of that, and so listen. I'm, you know, so for us it's like, man, I made bad decisions. I'm going to get out of this, but I can only do it when I put you first. Malachi chapter three, verse ten talks about this. Uh, it's a very famous verse passage. You've been around church a long time; you'll you have heard this passage, but it still holds just as true. Bring your full tithe. Now we got a lot of people that are brand new to church. You're like, Pastor, what is a tithe? Um, let me tell you the tithe. The tithe in the Bible, that word means 10th. And so when the Bible talks about a tithe, it was an understanding that God's people knew. That's the first 10%. Now, the Bible talks a lot about agriculture because that was the way they were compensated. Well, we don't get bushels of wheat and we don't trade livestock. We, we get paid in dollars and money. And so what we do is we say, God, whatever my gross is, I'm gonna bring, the tithe would be the first 10% of that gross of your check. So he says, listen, I want you to bring the full tithe To the temple treasury. Now, that temple treasury is the local church. I had someone in the second service, precious lady, say, well, am I tithing if I just go and give it to people or organizations? No, no, no. The Bible doesn't say just go do good with the money. The Bible says bring it into the local church, into the temple. And here's the most amazing thing that you'll ever discover. You ought to go Google it. Is that if the church were to actually tithe, every Christian who says I'm a Christian, go to church. We could literally wipe world hunger out across the world and have money to cure all diseases. It is amazing how when God's people trust God, how that we would be the blessing to the world around us. But the devil has us so wrapped up in chains, so bound up with stinking thinking, worried that someone's trying to rip you off, that we have not been able to be the church that God's called us to be. It says, bring it into the temple treasury. There'll be ample provision in my house. For what? For the vision that God's placed here. We bought that building. We needed a million dollars. You remember me standing up in December? I remember standing up here in December. I'm like, God, you spoke. You're going to have to bring it. But what, what what I also felt the Lord said is what you need is in the house. The vision that God has given you, it's already here. Like, that's the beauty of us bringing what God has told us to bring into the house is that the vision of the local church is fulfilled. Lives are touched and changed. That's what he's talking about there. And then he says, test me in this. See if I don't open up the heavens and and pour out a blessing beyond your wildest dreams. This is the only passage where God says, test me, try me, prove me. Only passage in the Bible. And I think it's because he knew we needed to, like, be prodded, like, for real, God? He's like, test me. For real, for real? Come on, I'd be like, for real, for real, for real? Test me. Try me. Proof. And it goes back to the whole expert thing. Are you an expert? How, how's your life going right now? Because I, I know people say, well, Pastor, you just want something. No, 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 no. No, baby, listen. I, I, that's one of the reasons we don't pass offering plates and buckets. I want you to come in and say, they didn't even, they didn't, What? I, they didn't ask me for money. No, no, no. God speaks to you. All I ask you to do is obey what God says. Isn't that awesome how his word can speak to us? And it's like, okay, God, I'm going to try you. I'm going to test this and, and open up the, the floodgates of heaven. Look, that's where God does things that are unexpected. Someone says, well, is God going to give me money? Baby, I don't know what God's going to do. All I know is it says the blessings of God. He's going to open up the windows of heaven. Well, what is that? I don't know. Try him. Test him, prove him, and see what he does in your life. I just know it's so many things. It's just unexpected. It's like, I don't give to get. I hate that about the prosperity gospel. We're going to give to get. No, no, baby, I give to give. And God, I thank you for blessing me, but this is your money, and I'm giving it, and I'm sowing it, and I'm operating in your principle, and I believe for things to happen. But God, I choose to do it out of a generous heart. I read a story about a contractor in Cleveland, Ohio. He was remodeling a house. It happened back in 2006. It was this really big, famous uh, news um, blast that, that went out. And he's remodeling the house, and he was working in the bathroom, and they were tearing open one of the walls. And all of a sudden, when he tore open the wall, $182,000 was behind that sheetrock. That brother was like, "Woo!" he was pulling that sheetrock. Unexpected. He was in the house the whole time, and so was that money. Imagine, just imagine you going up into your attic, and you're like, there is a suitcase. What in the world? And there's 182,000. Come on, somebody. You're like, I've been living here this whole time, and that money's been right there. Imagine you do some remodeling. You're like, praise God. So what is this? I think that's a lot like the tithe. Like it's just, it's it's like, God, I'm going to try. Wow, I didn't even realize that was there. God, I didn't even know you were working behind the scenes. You were just waiting on me. It's like you try to figure it out, but God's moving in unexpected ways. And we serve a God that is faithful to his word, that he will open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing that you don't even know where it's coming from. I want to end with this one story. I had someone send me this, and I thought I'd love to share the story of what God is doing in people's lives here in our church. It says, another year has passed, and here I am again sharing another story about how great our God is. He's not stopped pouring out his blessings over me, my life and my family. For all of those who struggle with faith and tithing, I want you to know that God is for real. Where do I start? For one, as the large project that I was on, it was almost finished, I began to worry about what my next assignment would be, knowing that the company I work for travels all over the world. When I received my D-staff date, I received a call, and they wanted me on a project in Clearwater, Florida for a couple of years. The first thing that crossed my mind is the fact that I would be away from both my family and my church family. I knew after asking, uh, then uh, I knew I couldn't leave them behind, but also knew that God had my best interest in mind. After asking my mom and my brother to pray for me, a couple of days later, I received two position offers in the local area. I was so overwhelmed, and I am now on the next big project here locally. But there's more. He said, this week I found myself looking at the letter of promotion from last year. And I noticed it took place the same time this week last year. So today, here I am, I realized that I began to pray and put my hope in God that maybe He could do it again. I mean, why not? It worked hard all year. it had been faithful tithing, which leads me to today. I was instant messaging a coworker about the new project that I'm on, and I was suddenly interrupted by another instant message from the organization manager. He wanted to talk to me. My initial thought was, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. What did I do? <laughs> Come on, uh-oh. He said, but guess what? He told me that he was pleased to inform me that I was the recipient of a salary increase. He proceeded to tell me that this was a rough year and this increase was not across the board, that very few people were selected. He told me to keep up the hard work. I got it. I know that's what I'll do. He said, but I also know that I've gotta continue to put my trust in God and keep him at the center of it all. I need to continue to give him my very best and to always put him first. Now tell me if God before you Who can be against you? Thank you, Pastor Jim, for instilling these values in me and my family. Our lives have been forever changed. Isn't that awesome? So I just want to challenge you. Some of you are here, and maybe you find yourself um, a lot of great practical tips, but practical tips don't work without the God thing, too. And it's like, man, that's awesome. Maybe this is the missing piece, and I want to challenge you with this. If you're not tithing, test God, try God, prove God. I always say like this, give, give them 90 days. I think tithe takes 90 days. And why do you say that? Well, because just know the moment you start tithing, the enemy's gonna try to persuade you that that was the dumbest thing you ever did. But if you'll just stay faithful, what you'll see is God will turn it around. God will flip the script on the enemy. And so I would just challenge you. Someone says, well, I can't give 10 first 10%. That's okay, I believe God honors effort. And so I would encourage you to do a percentage. You say, well, okay, God, I can do 5%. Great, do 5%. Now, when he blesses you, because he will, just don't go consume it. Like, add it to the tithe first. And that'll get you to the 10%. I'm I'm telling you, the most amazing thing I've ever heard people say is, as a tither, I can't afford not to tithe. And then the testimony of a non-tither is I can't afford to tithe. Well, no, because the enemy keeps stealing everything and robbing you because you don't have the the blessing of God. So, So when you tithe, it brings two things. Provision, that's the increase. But it also brings protection. That's, that's where the Bible talks about you got, you got holes, or you got uh, purses with holes in them. Like, you put money in there, but it's like everything keeps breaking. Like, God protects that. He, he rebukes the devourer. So I just would encourage you. No guilt, no condemnation. Just God, I've learned. God, I repent. I had someone came up to me and said, I hadn't tithed in over a year. You don't have to tell me anything. I said, all you got to do, you don't. People say, well, I got to make up. Look, whatever the Lord says, I just know this. I just repent because nothing I do will ever make up for the sin that I did. It's the blood of Jesus. So you don't have to earn forgiveness. There's no penance with Jesus. It's repentance. Forgive me. I know now, I'm tired of doing it my way. It don't work. It hadn't worked. And God, I choose you. And so do 90 days. And I've always said this, man, just 90 days. Do a 90-day Tide Challenge. If you do it 90 days, it don't work. Send me an email. I'll give you your money back. Honest God's truth. I've said that for years. I've never had, had one guy who was off his medicine. Who tied me back? He said, "You robbed me." You know, he was—he had medicine. He was on, and, and I said, "Okay, brother." I said, "He said it'll work." I've been there for years. I am like, "Okay," I went and said, "Hey, pull whatever." It was a hundred dollars. I'm like, "Okay, all right." Are you sure? It was God, or you? Did you stay faithful? It's not just a week. It's not a decision. It's not a one-time. thing. It's God. I must stay faithful. Come on, somebody. Father, we thank you. Lord, we pray today, moving our hearts. You, you're breaking things. You know what I sense the Lord was just breaking the spirit of poverty. Poverty is not an amount, it's a mentality. You can make six figures and be have a poverty mentality. Poverty mentality says lack, not enough. So, I mean, I, I know millionaires that have a poverty mentality. It's like, I gotta keep, when, when's enough enough? I, I was talking to my brother and he's got a, a friend and she makes half a million dollars a month. And he said, what keeps you going? She said, it's not enough. I need more. What about? And I just thought, well, when is enough enough? It's this mentality of like, it's like, God, no, I'm satisfied in you. And Lord, what I have is enough. I think some of you, and I, I feel this prophetically, you've not given because you're concerned your little is not enough. Listen, Jesus didn't compliment the rich people, He complimented the widow's might that that lady came up and gave out of her poverty all that she had. And so it's not comparison, it's God, it's me. Break that mentality more than enough. You're God of abundance. You're God of abundance. God, you're a God of abundance. And God, you love your people. Some of you don't feel worthy. Maybe your family, they said you'll never be anything. You're just going to be broke and poor and just like your daddy. Yeah, you're going to be just like your heavenly father. Your daddy is rich and you are as well. And it has nothing to do about your bank account. I want to be rich in relationships. I want to be rich in grace. I want to be rich in forgiveness. I want to be rich in the things of God. And if the bank account follows, praise God. But I choose to live the blessed life.